This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, golf fans, and welcome inside another Golf Talk Canada here on PSN 1050. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino has began the journey down to Florida, where he will be for the next couple of weeks for PGA Tour Radio. He'll be on location from Florida. We'll be joined by Mark as he starts that journey down. I believe he's actually driving down, so we'll, we'll be in touch with Mark in uh, about 30 minutes we've got a busy show today before we get into it bob good morning how are you sir doing well doing very well this morning and uh wish i was mark it's still cold out here it's not not really like feeling like any we're getting any closer to golf season around these parts but uh i gather it's going to warm up a little bit this week so it's, it's I, almost the end of February. It's happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Yes, happy Valentine's Day or happy Palentine's Day, if yes, you will, to, ah. to you and your pals. Or I, I've seen Galentine's Day as well on, yes. on Instagram and, and the social medias. Uh, but, Bob, before we get into all the golf, uh, from because there's a lot going on in the world of golf, both on and off the golf course, especially on social media. Are you still buzzing after that halftime show last night at the Super Bowl, Bob? Because I know I am. Yeah, that was great. That was, uh, I mean, that was, I was, you know, I, I mean, I loved all the music, all the, all the artists. I thought they nailed it with that. But the one thing to me I was thinking about afterwards is, I wonder how long it took them to put that together. Even just building the set, even just the choreography. Um, we have a good friend who uh, works with us on the golf at ESPN, uh, Eric Lundstrom, who is mm. a NF. In addition to doing golf, does NFL, and he was there. He said that it took them less time to put that set into center field than it takes him to put up a tripod, essentially. So it's. Uh, he said it, it's amazing the, the the way that whole thing comes together. But uh, but what a show that was! That was awesome. Yeah, it was a great show and the surprise edition of 50 Cent as well. That was that was a big ad for the uh, the little viewing party I, I had at uh, at my place. And did you think did you think Dr. Dre looked a little bit out of breath maybe? It looked yes. like he was a bit gassed. I thought maybe he's he hasn't been on tour for a while. Maybe he's a little out of shape. Yeah, I I don't think he's been on tour for a while. Yeah, he certainly looked uh maybe a little tired by the end of it, but uh, I can imagine <laughs> that adrenaline rush. And as well, how about to, to start the Super Bowl off with The Rock being on the field and basically yeah. shouting into a microphone for 2 minutes? I know I wanted to run through a wall. I don't know about you, Bob. It was good. It was good fun. It was a uh, entertaining Super Bowl, and and even on the field, it was entertaining this year because that uh, that doesn't always happen with the Super Bowl. Usually, sometimes you get a few stinkers out there. It sure was, but uh, wasn't a stinker at the Super Bowl. Wasn't a stinker at the WM Phoenix Open, which you could see on TSN. As I mentioned, busy show for us today. Uh, Mark Zucchino will join us in about twenty five minutes. We'll also go one on one with Xander Shoffley who finished uh, one shot off the playoff at the WM Phoenix Open, played very well, couldn't get it done. We'll be joined by Xander Shoffley in about an hour, as well as Tomo Bystead from TaylorMade to learn all about the stealth driver. Yes, you've seen the commercials, you've seen all the social media posts. Mark spoke with Tomo while we were down in Carlsbad, California in uh, just before Christmas time to learn all about the stealth driver. Lots of news going on in the world of golf today. Let's get to it. But first, let's hit some news and headlines. 
News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. All right, Bob. Well, I mentioned social media and how golf was a little nuts on social media over the week. And, and it really started with Charlie Hoffman. And Charlie Hoffman put out a post late on Friday evening. And I'm going to read the majority of this post. He said, what a joke, USGA PGA Tour today on the 13th hole. I hit my drive in the water and took a drop on the side of the hill with no gra- that had no grass. Dropped twice, then placed on a small tuft of grass. Turned around, the ball started rolling into the water. I was under the impression that the USGA had changed the rule. We saw something similar happen to Ricky Fowler in 2019. I was wrong. Had to take another penalty for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Everything by the book. It's still mind-blowing that a group of amateurs ruled a professional game of golf. I also blame the PGA Tour rules officials for putting out a terrible penalty area line where this could even happen. No accountability at any level here. No protection for the players at all. You wonder why guys are wanting to jump ship and go play another tour. Players need transparency, protection, and consistency. We don't have that under the current governing bodies. And then he tagged a number of different golf outlets, including the Saudi International Golf uh, Bob, this raised a lot of eyebrows throughout the world of golf. Uh, when you first saw this come out from Charlie Hoppin, what was your, what was your first impression? Well, it, I thought the first impression I had was that it was a weird person to be hearing this from. Uh, now, I know he got slammed in the comeback on people calling him kind of greedy and pointing out how much money he's made without really winning a tournament for, I think, five or six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of me, though, that thought... This is sort of the the last place that I would expect Charlie Hoffman to do this. First of all, he's a member of the Players Advisory Council. So, I mean, he's got an ear to the PGA Tour where he could go directly to them. He doesn't have to put it out publicly, I, I wouldn't think. And secondly, um, he's sponsored by Waste Management, who is the title sponsor mm-hmm. of the tournament. So you're not really making them look in a good light. And I understand the frustration, and it is a stupid rule. I do agree with him that I, I can't understand why you would be penalized for that, whereas... As we were saying, you and I in a call earlier today about Zach Johnson, you know, accidentally hitting his ball on the tee, which he seems to do with frequency, <laughs> um, and not getting penalized. Like the rules of golf are are difficult. They're strange. They tried to um, ease them up a few years ago, and and this one to me is just seems like a very very strange situation. And again, um, I can't dispute with him what he what he pointed out about the. Uh, where the line was. If you saw the line for the hazard with the PGA Tour rules officials drew, uh, it didn't really leave much <laughs> much room mm-hmm. for them to to uh, place a ball and have it and and not have it roll into the water. So, while I understand his his upsetness, I thought it was very strange timing to do it, and then to tag all those other people, which he said afterwards he did to get attention of people. Um, I don't know. That's that's a weird 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 scenario. Yeah, and I'm sure Mark Zucchino is going to have a rant or four about this uh, when he joins us in, in about 25 minutes' time because, you know, Charlie Hoffman didn't have the greatest weekend of all time after that. He finished in dead last, including an 8 over 79 on Saturday. But that, that was the golfing aspect of this. And then you look down the comments of this post, which has since been deleted. A couple of uh, pretty major names in the game of golf commented. Phil Mickelson commenting on the post saying, I feel ya. Bryson DeChambeau commenting on the post saying, agree wholeheartedly. Bob, not the greatest look for these guys who are still 
as we know it, on the PGA Tour and have not decided to jump ship and have not accepted money, as we know from the Saudi international uh, golf. Uh, what When you saw that these two names commented on this Charlie Hoffman post that you know got a lot of attention from around the world, what would you think? Well, I guess there's a number of ways you could look at it. You could look at it and say they're just supporting another PGA Tour player and they do agree with the way the ruling was set up. Um, I mean, obviously, the tag with the Saudi golf tour on it was um, was the, the sort of the, the match that lit this thing on fire. And when you see names like Phil and Bryson, both who have been allegedly either offered or have already signed uh, deals with, with a new Saudi golf league, you know, you can't really, um, I don't know, you can't really think of anything other than they're supporting this guy because they're they're sort of you know don't like the way the pga tour is operating and that this is one of the reasons why they're going to leave it's uh i think it's a lot of eyebrow raising we really don't know you know maybe they were just mad at the rules officials too but it does seem like quite a coincidence yeah and and even on the rules officials and the rules of golf in general i know they've tried to simplify it because there are some some really interesting or different rules out there you know you think back to the 2016 us open dustin johnson his ball oscillates a little bit and he didn't know what his score was going down the back nine trying to win his first major championship there are certainly some strange rules out there and i I know they're trying to simplify uh the rules of the game bob not only for the pros on the pga tour but for amateurs like you and me too yeah it's it's um you know it's a complicated game it's not an easy game to 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 deal with it's uh rules can be confounding especially if you are uh new to the game but also it's as i say it's always strange that people who make their living playing golf don't know the rules um now i know in this case you know i don't know that charlie hoffman didn't know the rules he just didn't agree with the rules so that might be a little bit of a difference but it is a uh, it is an unusual. Uh, the, the, all the rules of golf are, are complicated enough, and uh, and I'm glad they clean them up a little bit. But there's still a long way to go if you really want. I don't I don't think a lot of people play by the letter of the rule, and if you did, your score would probably be about ten strokes higher than what we normally put in on the card. I totally agree, and and this Charlie Hoffman story with the the Saudis and everything going on there is a developing story, and we'll continue to update. Uh, you as this uh, goes on uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Scotty Scheffler went on to win the WM Phoenix Open. We'll discuss him in just a little bit. But some other news as well. Bob Solheim Cup. Stacey Lewis, the youngest ever captain for Team USA at the Solheim Cup. Were you surprised when you saw Stacey Lewis named as, as the captain, being how young she is? And she's still very relevant playing on the women's side. Uh, not overly. There had been sort of some chatter about it. I think the interesting part is that uh you know she's kind of part of the little group sort of like what the men have on the pga tour you know there's a a collection of guys from where the captains have sprung from and you look at you know jim furick and davis love and steve stricker and tiger and you know that whole kind of cadre this is the same sort of thing i sort of feel with with the uh, lpga tour and i think stacy lewis she's a very very feisty person to the point where um i've run into her a couple times when uh, most of the time, she's been absolutely wonderful to interview. Sometimes, though, she's been pretty prickly. Mm-hmm. And even on the golf course, she's done some stuff that, um, depending on which side of the ledger you, you are with her, you could either say it's uh, very inappropriate or it just shows you how, how feisty she is as a player. So I think she'll make a really good captain, even though she is, as you said, quite young and still relevant on the tour. And I think it's good. They may have done it because Suzanne Pedersen is very much the same way, and she's going to be captaining Europe. This is until 2023, by the way, and it'll be held in Spain. 
but the um, but the two captains here are both kind of cut from the same cloth, which I think has the makings of uh, of a good uh, good uh, event. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. Now, you mentioned it's in Spain, and that's where I bring up my next point. Uh, we aired a Spanish travel special a couple of weeks ago, and highlighted or featured on that show was the course they are playing at the 2023 Solheim Cup, Finca Cortesine. So we got to play that course during our Golf Away Tour Spanish travel adventure. Uh, it's a great golf course, great for match play as well. Some short par fours down the stretch. It's got a really good uh, little cathedral, I guess, sort of around the 18th green, or atmosphere, I should say, around the 18th green. Um, I had, hadn't thanked any or people on our last show uh, for all the feedback we got from that Spanish travel special. Really enjoyed putting that together. And hopefully get out to Spain. Maybe, Bob, will be there together for the 2023 Solheim Cup. Who knows? I'd take that. That'd be good. That'd be great. Now, I mentioned Scotty Scheffler. He won his first career PGA Tour event over the weekend. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from Scotty Scheffler as well as some of the contenders of the WM Phoenix Open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Zucchino joining us in about 15 minutes for a full recap of the WM Phoenix Open, and I'm sure much, much more. And that's where Scotty Scheffler comes into play. And Bob, just a matter of time for Scotty Scheffler, one of these great young players who has come up in the game, had a lot of close calls. He shot 59 on the PGA Tour already. He's now the third straight first-time winner on the PGA Tour. Of course, Luke List won the Farmers Insurance, Tom Hoagie at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and Scheffler now the third straight first-time winner. Before we discuss Scotty Scheffler's victory, let's hear from Scheffler after winning his first career PGA Tour event. I'm just very pleased how today played out. I, I kept telling myself there'd be some bumps in the road, and um, I definitely gave myself a few of those with all the bogeys. But um, I hung in there tough and had a nice finish to the round to get in the playoff. And then from there, just tried to hang in there and execute some shots. And um, you know, I'm very pleased to see that putt go in. And at the time, I thought it was just to keep the playoff going. And so um, I guess it was nice um, seeing Patrick's putt not go in, and then you know, able to celebrate a little bit. The first PGA Tour win for Scotty Scheffler beat Patrick Cantlay in the playoff. That Team USA Ryder Cup team from last September showing a, a lot of good moxie and form right now. And that President's Cup team is going to be tough to beat for sure. But uh, Scotty Scheffler gets it done. Like I mentioned, Bob, this is just a matter of time for this guy because he's, he's a superstar uh, already in the game of golf. Now he's ninth in the world. Yeah, he's a very impressive young man and has come – you know, up through the ranks. Uh, Brad Fritch had told a funny story yesterday on Twitter where he said yeah. that uh, they uh, shared a, a, a cab in Panama which for which uh, Brad Fritch paid and uh, Scotty Scheffler paid him back and more, apparently. So that's a, a nice story. But you can understand where he's come from, how he's paid a bit of his dues. And nice to see him win. I always, uh, I always kind of cringe when people say, okay, well, now the floodgates are open and he's just going to do nothing but win. Winning in the, is hard on the PGA Tour, whether you've won once or whether you've won 50 times. So 
I hope he will win more. I, I think he's got the game suited to win a lot of tournaments and possibly major championships. But um, right now, I think I'm just sort of, it's just kind of nice to see him win a tournament and, and get himself over that, that one hump. Because I think, um, you know, once you win one, it's always a little easier. Although Nancy Lopez once told me the most interesting quote, which I've never forgot. She said, win winning the second time is a lot harder than the first time because now you think it's a lot easier. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we'll see him in the winner's circle again. Yeah, we've seen a lot of young guys sort of come up in the game of golf in the last three, four years. You think of Colin Morikawa, you think of Victor Hovland, you think of Max Holma, guys like these guys who have, who have come up and get that first victory. And now, you know, you think of Morikawa and Hovland, they're in the top three in the world golf rankings right now. But for Scotty Scheffler, new caddy this year as well, Ted Scott, who as well was Bubba Watson's looper for, for years. How much, if at all, of an impact do you think Ted Scott, a veteran who has, you know, helped Bubba Watson win two masters and many other uh, great events around the world help Scheffler on a day to pick up his first win I think there's a few things that, that that are good I think obviously Ted Scott has seen every course on the PGA Tour umpteen times Scotty Scheffler is still learning some of those golf courses so that's always good to have a reassurance there uh, I think the fact that he has been so successful as a caddy is reassuring to Scotty Scheffler I think he can look to uh, look to Ted Scott and say you know, make sure or tell me what I should be doing here as opposed to maybe floundering around. I think most caddies on the PGA Tour are still pretty good. But when you have a veteran like that, it can add just that little bit more that you might need, that little intangible to try and get over the hump as you did yesterday. Yeah, totally. And uh, Scotty Scheffler, 62-67 over the weekend, becoming the largest 36-hole comeback at the WM Phoenix Open since it moved to TPC Scottsdale in 1987. He was nine shots off the lead. Big win for Scotty Scheffler. Now, there are a lot of big names on this leaderboard, but the bigger story, in my opinion, opinion anyway, was the atmosphere on 16, especially on Saturday. Sam Ryder, hole-in-one, beer cans, hundreds of beers wasted, first of all, and then, you know, just showering beers coming onto the 16th hole. Um, you know, there might be golf traditionalists out there who say, mm, this isn't great for the game. But the way the game is, is changing and progressing and getting younger, and even Brandel Chambly had a bit of a, on a, bit, on a, bit of a, a rant on Golf Channel talking about how now the game, you, you hear music, you got the hats backwards, shirts untucked. What are your thoughts on 16, Bob? Is it great to have you know, just a one-off of a tournament like this. You wouldn't want to see this every week on the PGA Tour, I think, no? Exactly. I, I've interviewed a number of players over the years that I've done stories on that hole, and they all sort of say once, once a year is great. And they do. there are copycats. There are other tournaments that try to do one hole and make it the place to be. The Canadian Open does it with the rink, even though it's at a different course every year. And those are fun as well, but I think the... Uh, level to which the crowd goes to at the Phoenix Open is a little above and beyond pretty much anything outside of perhaps TPC at Sawgrass, although they can't throw beers on, on the 17th it'd be, hole it'd be a long throw. Yeah, it would be a long, be a long throw. throw. But I don't think they mind it. And as Graham DeLette said in our hit last week, he said when you walk out on through the tunnel onto the hole, it's not so much that there's one person yelling or three people yelling. There's kind of this constant buzz. There's always something going on. There's always loudness to it, uh, but it's not distracting because it's not as if someone is screaming at the top of your backswing. So you can you can understand it, you accept it, and it's and as long as you sort of embrace it, I think it's it can be fun for one. As I said, once a year, 
maybe two or three times a year, but nothing, nothing compares to what happens there. And if you've ever had a chance to sit in the crowd for an hour or, I don't know, maybe throw a beer yeah. can on the, on, the, on, the, on, their, on the green, you should probably try. Although I did notice, too, that they, there weren't many beer cans that actually made it to the green. Not, greens and re, beer cans and regulation was not good from that crowd. And then, of course, the same thing with uh, Grillo, uh, who did it on Sunday. And when you, had, when you saw Justin Thomas chip in, they had a few beer oh, yeah. cans. That, that I don't think you'd – reserve it only for hole-in-ones. Now, have you ever sat on, in, in those grandstands, Bob? I have sat in those grandstands, and it was a few years ago. And it was, uh, it was a little um, early in the afternoon, but the, play, the, the fans were still well-oiled. And the group I was sitting in was mostly made up of students from, I can't remember if it was University of Arizona or Arizona State. I know that's a faux pas for many of the, uh, the students who go there. But it was loud. It was raucous. They did a couple things that were offside. Uh, got a little bit sort of over the edge, and a police officer just came down and reminded them, "Hey guys, just you gotta you gotta cut it off just a little bit at certain points," which they did. There's a guy who comes and he hands when you go into the crowd, he hands out sheets of paper that's got basically the field, mm-hmm. uh, morning draw, afternoon draw, and beside every player's name, there's a little string of information. So it's uh, it might be, for instance, I remember like Mike Weir. So there's it gives you his wife. Or then his then wife's name, the school he went to, uh, the country he's from, his nickname gives you about seven or eight different things that you can do. You yell at him. You can for Mike Weir and for most of the Canadians, they always sing O Canada" when you come through. So there's a bunch of stuff that uh, that makes it even more fun, and the people really embrace it. And it's a uh, it's something one of those. It's it's sort of like trying to go to the Masters once a year. You should or once in your lifetime. If you haven't been there, you should really try and make a, an effort to try to visit there. Yeah, I, I've had a few friends attend there for a, uh, a bachelor party, and I think that would just be a ruckus occasion. Now, we haven't seen anyone in the past take their shirt off after making putts on the 16th hole, and then your playing competitor or partner also take a shirt off and sort of windmill it. Uh, that was um, uh, interesting. I, I'm not sure. I was sort of my, my jaw was on the ground when I watched it for the third time. It, that was uh, that was interesting. Yeah. That was pretty funny. I remember yeah. the, the one time Brad Fritch went there, and he at that time had a relationship with the Ottawa Senators. And in those days, they were throwing things into the crowd, hats. Ricky Fowler was yes. throwing his underwear, uh, not yeah. his underwear, but the underwear that he sponsors with, throwing yep. that into the crowd. And Brad Fritch was throwing pucks, and he hit some guy right in the chest who wasn't – he said he was more focused on his beer than, than the puck. And I think that may have led to them saying, okay, you can hand stuff out now, but you can't throw it up into the crowd anymore. And they've cut back on the caddy races – which yeah. used to be uh, good because one of the caddies blew his knee out, I believe, oh. a number of years ago. So uh, there are some limitations to it, but as long as everybody kind of embraces the fun when you're there, I think it's a great, uh, it's a great atmosphere. Totally, totally. And, and there are a lot of big names on that, that leaderboard, which we'll discuss with Mark Zucchino momentarily. Uh, but I want to ask you about Adam Hadwin, Bob, because he's a guy who he's been going through swing changes for quite some time now and he got himself into the mix after 36 holes got himself into the mix after the great start on saturday morning uh saturday afternoon i should say for the third round struggled down the stretch on saturday made a birdie on 16 in the third round on uh, on saturday but then sunday didn't have his best stuff but but it looks like he's making a lot of progress from these changes that have been going on for quite some time now yeah he is uh as base has said that the the swing changes he's made are ingrained in his swing he doesn't have to think about them when he's at the top of his backswing where are my hands supposed to be where am i supposed to bring this uh this club head 
It's more just trusting it and, and relying on it. And I think he's getting a lot closer. He's had sort of a mediocre year. There's been a couple of good finishes, but nothing that we're sort of accustomed to. And he's gradually slipped down the world rankings. But I think the signs you saw for him through the first three rounds anyway, he had a stretch of 46 holes without a bogey, really show that he is progressing to where he wants to be. He wants to be a more consistent player. That was the whole basis for making these changes. His iron game was just so inconsistent and he really couldn't rely on it. So now he's got that pretty much dialed in. If you look at his stats, he's inside the top 50 in five of the big six categories in strokes gained. The only one where he's not is off the tee. But that one will come around. Come around. And I think if you are even mediocre off the tee, as Adam Hadwin is, then I think you can rely on the rest of the game to, to, uh, to make things work for you. So hopefully good things ahead for, for Adam Hadwin. Yeah, and as anyone who's made swing changes before, you're trying to play golf and not try to play swing where you're just sort of reacting to a shot where you say, you know, I need to hit a high draw here or a low cut here, and you're not thinking about where your hands are, you know, at impact. You're sort of just reacting to um, how you naturally feel, and, and you go from there. So a, a good week overall for Adam Hadwin. I think we'll see some better uh, finishes from him going forward. He's one of five Canadians in the field uh, this week at the Genesis Invitational. Well, coming up after the break, we'll continue to discuss the WM Phoenix Open, and we'll also have much more on Charlie Hoffman, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau with Mark Sacchino. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada. Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. I'm Scully Bob Weeks. Mark Sapino is going to join us momentarily. He is en route to Florida where he'll be there for the next couple of weeks with PGA Tour Radio. And now I understand Mark is actually is on the line. Mark, welcome to the show. Tell our listeners of where you are right now. How's the car ride going? Have you made it to the United States yet? <laughs> I am in America, Adam, uh, and I am finally out of the mountains and, and have some cellular service and found a little pocket uh, to pull over and, and chat with you guys. Uh, final destination for the next couple of weeks is uh, St. Augustine. Uh, going to be working uh, for PGA Tour Live, hosting, uh, hosting a couple of the feeds for the PGA Tour Live coverage for ESPN in the U.S., and I guess for everywhere else in the world, Golf TV. And, uh, and then after doing a couple of weeks of PGA Tour Live, it's Arnold Palmer Invitational for radio, and then Players Championship for radio, where Bob and I will be on location for Golf Talk Canada, and it'll be finally a normal players, Bob, because the last time we were at the players together, the end of the world was happening. So this time I'm happy it'll be different again. Yeah, exactly right. The uh, the players is where we started with a full crowd on Thursday, went to no crowd on, going to have no crowd on Friday, and uh, a few hours later the whole thing got canceled and the whole world closed down. There we go, and now we're back back to some sense of normalcy so far. 
Well, yeah, anything anything compared to that that weekend or that week with us down there would feel normal, like, like literally <laughs> exactly. anything. Every, everything happens so fast. And I have the answer to your question from last week, Bob. Russell Henley, a name of a player that maybe isn't on the tip of everybody's tongue, who I got to see with my own eyes, who surprised me with how well they were playing, and I couldn't come up with it last week, and I thought about it after we got off the air. And Russell Henley at the Sony Open wasn't the greatest field, not my favorite golf course, but he played so well for four days and just lost to one of the best players in the world in Hideki Matsuyama. So Russell Henley was the name that popped into my mind immediately we said, after we said goodbye last week. Well, you from now on you have I'm gonna put a timeline on you can't you can't wait a week to give us that information. We have to we have to break into regular programming here on T S N radio and, and announce that answer. Oh that's that's good. Now now Mark, there's a lot going on in the world of golf right now. Do you wanna discuss the WM Phoenix Open first or are do you wanna go on a rant about our dear friend Charlie Hoffman, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau? What is on your mind first, Mark? Well, well, let's go there, guys, because we didn't get a chance to go there last week. And this yeah. has been brewing with me, as you know, for six months now. I mean, you know, we keep finding out what the cost to everybody's soul is. Uh, and, if, and if some of the rumors that I've heard are true, which is that Phil Mickelson already has $130 million sitting in his account somewhere, if those rumors are true, I mean... I just can't believe it. And I know that the three of us have all agreed. If any player is going to do this, it's going to be a guy on the downside of his career, you know. And with the exception of DeChambeau, the other names really attached to this, truly attached to this, are what, Mickelson, Westwood, Poulter. Okay, so guys on the downside of their career looking for that last money grab. But come on, like what, what would Phil Mickelson's net worth be? Six hundred million, five hundred million. I mean, I mean to sell your legacy and take this and to just tarnish the way the world looks at you. He's the people's champion, and I mean, would Arnold Palmer do this? You know, I don't know. Obviously, Arnie, you know, was there at the start of IMG and certainly turned the game of golf into a money-making machine, but. I mean, we've got to have a line somewhere, and human rights, I think, should be a line for all of us. And I think Brandel Chambly said it really good in, in his article, guys, last week. Uh, Phil Mickelson cares about rights, just not human rights, was the title of his article. So, I mean, it's okay for competition. I'm a capitalist. I love competition. Uh, it's okay to say I want to go try to do something different, make a choice for my family. But at the end of the day, there's a line in the sand that whether you're a capitalist, a socialist, whether you're a a man, a woman, regardless of religion, etc., there's a there, there's something that is a human value to all of us. And when that line gets crossed, golf and money shouldn't mean anything. And that's just where I feel, and that's where I am on this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting, Mark. I mean, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, you talk about legacy and especially with Phil Mickelson after what happened last May at Kiowa Island, where whether you're a diehard golf fan or just an average sports fan, you're probably kind of choked up watching him come out of nowhere at 200 to one betting odds to go on and win the PGA championship. 
and now he's completely flipped the script with his public image. It's it's a bizarre turn of events. Now nothing's official, obviously, whether you know he's going over there, but with some of the comments he's made, who really knows right now? But this is just bizarre how it's all turned out, hasn't it? Well, there's also the way he's done it. This is not someone who isn't media savvy. Uh, and it's not somebody who hasn't gotten in trouble with the media before, um, i.e. his Tom Watson comments at the Ryder Cup. So, but that's also part of the reason why we love Phil, because he's unfiltered. But this doesn't seem like that. This doesn't seem honest and unfiltered. It seems a little bit more scripted, the timing of it seems scripted, like where the comments were made, why now. A lot of it has my antenna up. And again, it's fine to say, if Phil Mickelson had to come out and said, um, I want to try something different, I'm, you know, I'm 52 years old, I don't believe I can win the U.S. Open, uh, I'd like to try to grow the game in another part of the world, play a team concept, whatever, even if it was lies. I mean, that's one thing. But to come out with the, the obnoxious greed comment of the PGA Tour and tear down the entity that has made him 500, 600 million, whatever it is, whatever the number is of what his net worth is, I mean, that's a different, that's a different line in the sand than, hey, I'm going to go do something different. And then the same thing happens this week, guys. Like, Bob, how shocked were, were you when the longtime ambassador of waste management, a long time. Like Charlie Hoffman's been with waste management for I'm going to say 15 years, and or somewhere in that neighborhood, and he picks the waste management Phoenix Open to have a hissy fit on a rule. It's a dumb rule. I think it should be changed. I think a lot of a lot of times the governing bodies are asleep at the wheel. I've always been open about that, but you take that and then throw the tournament under the bus that you're representing, and then the tour, like, I mean, I was just, I was, my jaw was on the floor. And how surprised were you, Bob, that, that of all people, Charlie Hoffman and his association of waste management would do it this weekend? We talked about this at the top of the show, Mark, and I couldn't agree with you more. The other part of that is that uh, Charlie Hoffman is part of the pack, the, the Players Advisory Council, which is four golfers who have selected by their peers, essentially, to lead uh, conversations with the management of the PGA Tour. So there's a whole bunch of strange reasons why this was so odd for Charlie Hoffman. And, uh, and then to tag the Saudi Golf League in the dispute, which really didn't have a whole bunch to do with it, other than he said he wanted to get some attention. I'll give Charlie, I'll give Charlie some credit. He came up after his round the next day and faced the, all the questions, answered them all, and said he tagged Saudi because he wanted to get the attention of people who were looking at it, but it just seems like bad timing and something that could have been handled a lot better and probably more efficiently if done behind closed doors. Uh, completely, and, and there was one gentleman who sent out a tweet. I can't remember who it is. I should know this on the, off the top of my head. It's somebody the three of us would all follow on Twitter. And he said, and, and, it was, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, and this from a guy who won $4.5 million without winning a golf tournament two seasons ago in one year. So, you know what I mean? Like, so these guys have lost complete perspective. On, on what they get paid, what they earn for hitting a little white ball around a big green field. 
Yeah, it's, it's a developing story that we'll continue to uh, look at here going forward because there are a lot of moving pieces here uh, with this entire story and, and the Saudi Gulf. But, uh, Mark, you were covering uh, the WM Phoenix Open uh, for PGA Tour Radio this past weekend where Scotty Scheffler gets it done, first career PGA Tour victory as i was saying to bob this was just it was about it was time for for scotty scheffler he's he's a star in the game already now top 10 in the world Ryder cup winner already and, and now he's a pga tour winner what were your thoughts on his victory you know there's there's two things that i that i pulled that, and I'd, i really want to hear hear your guys opinion on this because because i'm super curious the first thing i pulled was that i'm wondering obviously some players do do better in this type of environment, the waste management with pure chaos, uh, you know, 200,000 people on property, 30,000 people around the hole. Certain guys are going to do better with that than others. Usually the guys that embrace it, just like anything else, tend to do better. But I'm wondering if you're a guy like a Scotty Scheffler or a rookie like a Sahith Sigala, if the noise helps, because you've never gotten it over the, the finish line if you're Scotty Scheffler. Or if you're a rookie, you know, sometimes there's nothing more deafening than 30,000 people all being quiet at the same time, and it's just you and your thoughts. Well, rookies don't have to deal with that at the waste management. Guys trying to win for the first time don't have to deal with it. I'm wondering if it was almost an asset. I'm curious if you, if you believe any of that theory I'm, I'm, I'm selling. And part two of this, what I'd love to hear from you guys on, is I know we all love the Coliseum, and we all love different things, different uh, weeks of the year when they come in small doses. But when are we going to stop selling cans of beer? I'm like, sooner or later, someone's going to get pegged with a full can of beer. That isn't going to be good. And when there's a hole-in-one, I get it. But when Harry decides to go topless, I mean, I don't need, my, I don't need the tournament delayed you know, 10 minutes every time someone decides to play to the crowd. I thought for the first time in the history of the tournament, 16 crossed the line a couple of times this weekend. Uh, Bob, wh- where are you on these? Uh, I think that there's a, there's a legitimate um, side to having fun and enjoying yourself and going across what would normally be accepted at regular PGA Tour stops. I didn't have too much trouble with the beer cans when there was a hole-in-one. Don't forget, these are the real uh, thin, light. There's hardly anything to them. So even if you got hit with one, I think you'd have to be would have to be a full one. And I don't think anyone had... Well, I guess there were some people throwing full ones now that I think about it. But as Scully and I were talking about it, the greens in regulation with the beer cans was pretty low. They barely got over <laughs> the sta- edge of the stands. So, But I think, I, I think as I said to Scully earlier... When they did it for J- JT, when he chipped in, that doesn't need to be done. But I think you can do it for a hole-in-one. And so we wait an extra five or ten minutes while they clean it up. I think the notoriety of it, the attention of it, the the distance that that video covered around the world probably makes it worth the while for the little bit of the wait for the attention of the PGA Tour. And again, as as I think you and I have talked to lots of players about this hole over the year, Mark, and they say once a year, yeah, that's good enough. That's fine, and yeah. we, can, we can live with it once a year. So I don't really have a huge problem with it. I don't know where the line is with you draw. They do tighten things up a little bit every year. No caddy races. You can't, players can't throw anything into the crowd anymore. So they've tightened it up a little bit, but maybe they need to just do it a little bit more with the throwing. What about the noise, boys, Getting uh, so the guys aren't alone with their thoughts? You think maybe helps a rookie, helps a guy try to win for the first time? But Bob, we have, how many times have we sat 
on 18 or stood around 18 at Augusta with somebody trying to win the Masters. I mean, it, it, it's so silent. It's it's the, the the intensity is over the top, and that almost gets relieved in this tournament. The the noise level, you know, at at uh, 16. And you've been there, and I've been there. Graham Dillette said when he was playing there, you don't no- notice it as much because it's not like someone yelling at the top of your backswing. There's just this constant loud din of people cheering, yelling, and screaming, and, and I think it gets lost a little bit. But I think you're right. I think it's almost easier to be lost in that din of noise than it is to be in the dead silence where you know there's a 1,000 people there and you can hear a pin drop. I think you might be right, for especially for a rookie. The, the only yeah, thing I would I, say... Sorry, Mark. The only thing I would say is um, on the 16th hole specifically, I'm curious with with so much noise, how hard it would be to try to hit a three finger, three quarter wedge shot like they were on Saturday at 124 yards. Maybe it'd be a little easier, you know, at 170 yards like it was playing on 16. I know on on the other like it's just a crazy atmosphere um, throughout, you know, the weekend for sure. But on 16 specifically, Personally, I, I think it'd be very hard to hit a you know a hundred and twenty five yard shot with thirty thousand people screaming your name. Uh, yeah, but in terms of amp up, you mean like just yeah. having that amped up juice? Yeah. Yeah, like if if you're trying to carry it, th- if you want to h- go hit a high nasty bomb with fans around screaming your name, I, I think that'd be a lot easier because you're just gonna swing out of your shoes. But when you're trying to hit a a gap wedge one hundred and twenty four yards, I think that'd be a little more challenging. But with the guys trying to win, Mark, I think you do make a good point. Well, uh, time will tell uh, to see now what Scotty Scheffler does with this. You know, uh, I think maybe in for a big year. We've all been waiting for this. I think Taylor Gooch could surprise people and add more W's this year on top of that RSM in the fall. So, you know, uh, we don't like to get too carried away, guys. You know, we're always guilty of the, of the last thing we saw was the greatest thing we've ever seen, and we don't want to start calling everybody the Dave Duvall where, you know, the, the lid comes off and it finally opens up. But, you know, uh, Gooch has played so well for so long. Scheffler's done the same, been on Ryder Cup, played majors. So it would shock me if uh, one if, of one of those two, if not both of them, added another win this year, and uh, it might come sooner than later. Yeah, it definitely might come sooner than later. And, Mark, you're going to be covering a lot of golf over the next couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Safe travels down there. We'll hear your call later this week, and we'll be joined by you on our show here next week. Boys, back. I will be hosting. Thank you for holding the fort for the first two weeks of the year. Absolute chaos uh, doing both now live and radio out of the gate. So you guys are the best carrying uh, carrying the show, having my back, and I will do all the heavy lifting Monday. Thank you, guys. Sounds good, Mark. Safe travels down there. Follow Mark at Z-Man Golf on both Twitter and Instagram, lots, uh, lots of discussion there. And Bobby makes a very interesting point about the the noise, the crowd. That's something I I didn't think of. But even for uh, Sahith Tagala playing with Brooks Kepka and Xander Shoffley in that third round, you think for a guy who you know gets in on a sponsor's exemption, not the biggest name in the world, you think there'd be a big intimidation factor, especially after making a double bogey on your second hole. Uh, but it's a yeah, it's but he he, he finished strong. Obviously, one shot of a playoff. I think you can ride the crowd to it. You can use your use that to your momentum. I think it's um, your juices can flow a little bit. And, and remember, we were talking during the pandemic when there were no crowds allowed, how the lack of crowd may have hurt some players in terms of emotion of being able to get themselves pumped up. And we think back to that uh, that memorial with uh, Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. Yeah. 
playing there. So it works both ways, I think. Totally, totally works uh, both ways. Well, coming up on the other side, we'll set up a very busy hour two on Golf Talk Canada, where we'll be joined by Xander Shoffley and Tomo Bystead from TaylorMade discussing the stealth driver. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Coming up on Hour 2, the back nine here on GTC. We'll have winners, weird and what, no shortage of weird and wacky in the world of golf over the last week. We'll be joined by Xander Shoffley, one of the top-ranked players in the world, discussing his outlook for 2022 as well as the new Adidas shoe and the PGA Tour Netflix series also comes up as well. And we'll learn much more about the tailor-made stealth driver, Tomo said will be by to discuss that. This is a driver that I'm so excited to have in the bag. I know, Bobby, you're so excited to have in the bag. We'll learn much more about the stealth driver coming up in hour two as well. We'll have an update on 20 weeks of TaylorMade, how you can win some great TaylorMade product throughout the summer. That's all coming up in hour two. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with much more Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We're recapping a wild weekend in the world of golf. Lots going on social media, lots going on golf course. In our next segment, we'll learn all about the Stealth Driver, the new tailor-made Stealth Driver with our good friend Tomo Bison, who we actually got to play some golf with Bob back uh, in December, which was, uh, which was a lot of fun. But before we, before we go to this interview with Xander Shoffley, when I was watching the WM Phoenix Open, uh, we saw a couple weeks ago the Farmers Insurance Open ended on the Saturday for the NFL starting uh, their conference championship games were on the Sunday. And they always say, you know, at the Waste Management or WM Phoenix Open that the Saturday there's always a bigger crowd. And we saw uh, this past Sunday, three-hole playoff went into the start of the Super Bowl. Do you think, given how the success we saw with the Saturday finish at the Farmers Insurance Open, that maybe this is something that they should investigate and think about going down the road to end this tournament, the WM Phoenix Open, on the Saturday as well? Well, they actually have moved the time up because it used to be run on the normal time, so it would finish at like 8 p.m. 
Eastern time way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it didn't always run up against the Super Bowl, but I think, you know, they're, they aren't planning for a three-hole playoff, and I think they want to get as close as they can television-wise to the start of the Super Bowl because you get a lot of sports fans who are there saying, oh, I don't want to watch the guys yap about the Super Bowl for a few minutes. I'll watch the end of the golf, and then I'll flip over. There's a lot of people watching television at that time. Mm -hmm. So there may be some madness to it. Uh, the, the times that I've been to the Phoenix Open, generally what happens afterwards is people stay around, and they put the Super Bowl up oh. on the big screens, on the, and people sit around and have cocktails and drink and, uh, because it is only 4 o'clock there if they end at 6 Eastern time. So there's a little bit of madness probably on their end of it, and I understand that. Uh, television ratings draw pretty much everything and decide everything. So maybe that's part of the reason why it did. They did what they did, and unfortunately got uh, got caught with a three-hole playoff. And of course, next year's Super Bowl is in Arizona or the Phoenix area. So for people maybe doing the double dip, perhaps that could be a golf talk and a road trip. Perhaps. Probably. Sure. I think it would be good for us to check it out. I think it would be a very good decision for us to go check it out. Maybe do a live show from there. Uh, who knows? But anyway, getting back to Xander Shoffley. Shoffley finished one shot out of a playoff at uh, the WM Phoenix Open. And recently, Adidas came out with their new shoe, the Adidas ZG22 shoe. I had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with Xander Shoffley a few weeks ago to discuss that new shoe and his outlook for the 2022 season. And we're pleased to be joined by Xander Shoffley, one of the top-ranked players in the world. Xander, what was your first impression when you first saw the new Adidas Tour 360 22 shoe? I was I was excited. You know, it was um, it was a really good sort of uh, reintroduction, I should say, uh, since the Tour 360 wasn't available in 21, um, and for good reason. You know, I think. Uh, I'm sort of a guy who will put the shoe on first before looking at it. So uh, as soon as Mason showed it to me, uh, you know, back in 21, uh, the, the prototype, uh, I put the shoe on and the first thing I did was hit a driver with it. So uh, just like any equipment that I have in my bag or on my body, I sort of like to test it out to see if it'll, you know, uh, 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 pass any sort of, you know, personal test I have for the equipment. So um, it passed it right away. And um, yeah, I was just really excited to see the shoe again. So how long does it take for you to put that new shoe into play? It's just like a, it's just like a driver, you know, um, I'll know within two or three hits, if this club is going to work for me. Once I put the shoe on, I can walk, you know, a few steps in it, but for the most part uh, it's more about swinging you know, I'll, of course, I'll, you know, test it out walking nine holes or something like that. But for me, it's more about swinging on certain slopes and uh, on certain grass and certain conditions. Um, and once, you know, I'm able to do those things, I can tell really quickly if the shoe will go into play. So uh, I tested it out. It was sort of a dewy morning here in uh, California when I tested it. Very slip, uh, slip prone, I would call it, environment. And so I took a driver out, swung in it, felt very stable through the heel, um, when I walked in it, there was a lot of good bend in the forefoot and the mid, mid, mid sole of the shoe was very stable as well, which is sort of what you need in the golf shoe. So, um, it was sort of, I guess, love at first sight again. Uh, and I was happy to be back in the 360. Okay. So hitting shots with these shoes on is obviously a very important part of your job, but so is walking fill our audience in on how comfortable these shoes really are. Well, I walked, uh, um, if you haven't been out to Kapalua in Maui, it's probably the, the most difficult walk we have on the PGA Tour. So I had a brand new pair that I didn't even break in um, sent to me at Kapalua. 
and I wore them on Monday and I competed in them and I wore the same pair the entire week. Um, it was the new release that's our digital camel looking uh, release of the shoe that was wrapped. And, um, it was, uh, it was super easy. I had no, you know, pain in my feet. Uh, I walked up and down massive Hills. Uh, I had to walk up side Hills, down side slopes. Um, and that to me is the ultimate test. Obviously I knew the shoe was going to perform prior to that, but, uh, it really, that is really the hardest walk for us on tour. And, um, it was, it was a very comfortable walk for me. That's awesome to hear. Now you've been a part of team Adidas for quite some time now. What's your favorite part of being with Adidas? I think, I mean, being an ambassador for Adidas, it's just, they're just such a complete brand in my mind. And they're always, uh, you know, pushing uh, towards performance and innovation. And they're, they're never really, you know, I guess, happy with where they're at. And so there's always new product, always new ideas. Um, it's really cool for me to be an ambassador. Personally, I've always worn Adidas my whole life. And so now for me to have some input into some of the materials that I wear and sort of how the shoe is made or how, you know, shirts can stretch while I'm swinging. Um, it's a very, you know, I guess selfish insight into why I like the brand so much, but it is a really cool, you know, brand to be a part of. That's great. I'm also a member of team Adidas Xander and I love the way I feel on the golf course too. Now we're recording this in early 2022. As you look ahead to the season, what are some of your goals? Yeah, uh, a lot of goals that I wasn't able to sort of uh, notch up. I, I do have some repeat goals. I mean, I, winning a major championship or multiple, um, a player's championship. I haven't won in, in, you know, besides the Olympics, I haven't won sort of a, a tournament or a big tournament in quite some time. So I've uh, been working pretty hard and, and going to keep my head down and try and let my clubs talk and sort of get back to sort of my uh, happy-go-lucky attitude that I had uh, my rookie year. I want to ask you about the U.S. Open in particular. Five appearances, five finishes inside the top ten. What is it about that tournament that you just love so much? Just the test. You know, I think the USGA, some call it unfair, but they set up a course that everyone has to play. It's a very difficult course. You have to be in control of your golf ball and in control of your mind, I guess, for, you know, 72 hours or sorry, longer than that. Um, uh, 96 hours. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a big, big test um, on a big golf course that's set up very difficultly. So I always feel that I enjoy the challenge a lot and my team really enjoys preparing for it. And um, it's something we look forward to every year. Xander, you mentioned the Olympics a little earlier. Looking back, how special was it to win Olympic gold? Yeah, very special, you know, representing my country. Um, but personally, again, selfishly, just really big for my family, uh, with my dad's history with Olympics. So uh, very cool and just really exciting for me to deliver that. A great moment for sure. Now, before we let you go, I want to ask you about the PGA Tour Netflix series coming together. Xander, how excited are you to be a part of that? Yeah, I think it's just a really cool insight for the, sort of for um, even non-golfers, I guess, to sort of see what we do day-to-day uh, -day and, and sort of how we compete and the things that you don't really know about golf. Uh, when you watch coverage, you sort of just see the top players doing certain things and playing really well, but you don't really get to see everything that goes into it and sort of the teams behind the scene. So I think, uh, you know, this Netflix show will give a good insight into sort of how we tick and how we operate. Well, Xander, thanks for your time today and all the best in 2022. Thank you very much. 
That was uh, Xander Shoffley. I got a chance to speak with him about a month or so ago now, talking about the new Adidas golf shoe, his outlook for 2022. And Bobby mentioned in that interview that he hadn't won in a very long time other than the Olympics. Another good finish for Xander Shoffley. I asked him about his outlook for 2022. What's your outlook for Shoffley for 2022? We discussed his record at the U.S. Open. What's next for for Xander? Just getting a win, full stop, period, whether it's at the Masters or this week? Well, I I actually hope he would have done it last week when I picked him in RTS. He's giving me one to try and catch up on you guys. I've been so close the last couple of weeks. You have been. Our good friend Christian Anderson, who's one of the guys who follows us the most on Twitter, likes to point out when any of us are in the hunt coming into the last round. I find that quite funny. It's good. But I, I think Xander Shoffley is, again, you look at where his finishes are, the performances that he's had, and he's always seems to be close to winning, near winning. And the difference between coming close and winning is always such a fine margin when it's a close finish, obviously. You know, you think back, you said, you know, you look at uh, Tagala's, uh, double bogey on the second hole of the tournament. How much would he love to have had that back? Or uh, at the end of the year, you know, um, one place moving up in the in the standings can can really help you in the FedEx Cup points race. Adam Hadwin talked about that. But anytime you win a tournament, everything has to go your way. You have to get the good breaks, the putts that lip in lip in when you win. You know, lip out when you don't win. So. I think he's just one or two of those kind of things away from winning another tournament again. And he's got such a good game that it really does, if you look at the courses where he's played well and won on, it's a, it's a wide variety of styles. Like, there's not one real particular style that I think um, applies specifically to his style of game. I think he's got a wide-ranging game and a lot of talent. A lot of talent for sure, finishing one shot out of a playoff that uh, Scotty Scheffler won over Patrick Hanley. Now, you mentioned the hit the gala. What a great story this was, you know, to, to go out and play the way he did, you know, take the 36-hole lead, play very well Saturday's third round, playing with Shoffley and Brooks Kepka, Like you mentioned, that double bogey and on his second hole and then rebounding strong, a great up and down on his 54th hole of the tournament, that 18th hole on Saturday. Couldn't get it done on Sunday, also finishing one shot short of a playoff. But a great week all around for a name that many more people are, are much more familiar with now. He really showed a lot of uh, a lot of depth to his game. I was expecting him to fall apart somewhere down the line, especially Sunday playing in one of the marquee groups. And you know, it's a big it's a big jump up. But I thought he sort of embraced it. He looked like he was having fun. He looked like he was smiling. He had a whole bunch of family there cheering him on, and the fans I think really got behind him because of the story that he is as a um, sponsor exemption getting into that tournament. So there's, there's lots to, to like about uh, Sahita Gala, and I think we'll, we'll see more of him, obviously, but I think we'll see more of him because he's playing well. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't start getting a few sponsor exemptions. Obviously, finishing in the top 10, he can get in to the, uh, the next full field tournament. So I think there'll be uh, there's some opportunities for him to get over that finish line next time. Well, I'm looking at uh, the betting odds for this upcoming week at the Genesis. He, he is in the field at this point. His odds are 125 to 1 at this point if you want to put a... Uh, Pretty attractive, a, maybe. A couple, couple, couple loonies on that, perhaps, for Sahith Tagala. Now, uh, someone who's done very well at the WM Phoenix Open in the past, another great finish this past week. After not any form at all, period, Brooks Kepka. 
really, the only headlines he's made over the last month or so is dyeing his ble uh, bleaching his hair, which is quite a fashion statement at that. But he, he had he had a good week at, at the WM Phoenix Open. Now he's been a guy too, Bob, who's gone through a, a big equipment change. He's now a, a Strixon guy after being one of the only top players in the world to be a free agent uh, in in the world of golf. A good week for Brooks Kepka here as the bigger events start to heat up. I think we're going to see much more Brooks Kepka. What do you think? I do. I think Brooks Kepka's knock has always been that he doesn't try that hard, or he says he doesn't try that hard in non-major events, but he has won, as we know, Phoenix before, obviously, and mm -hmm. came close to winning it again. I think he's starting to round into shape. I think he said something interesting this week where someone asked him if he was healthy, and he said, I'm as healthy as you can expect. He said, if you're an athlete, you're always going to have injuries. And, and I always remember... Uh, Peter Jacobs has been talking about the fact, he said, you know, you walk into every PGA Tour locker room and there's always a keg-sized uh, jar of Advil in there because everybody's got an ache or a pain. But I think judging what Kepka was saying is that for the first time he's able to swing pain-free probably, and I think that goes a long way and explains a lot about what's, what he's gone through the last year. He's played some pretty good golf, even though he has had some, some bumps and bruises along the way. Well, you mentioned the bumps and bruises, and we remember last year at the Masters after that knee surgery, he could barely bend over to read putts, and then throughout the summer, he was almost, as a former goalie, almost, you call it a half butterfly, where he had one leg fully out trying to read a green, and he was sort of bending over on one side. But now it looks like when he's reading a green, he's now his knees are fully bent, and he can actually get under and, and read, the, read the green. So I, I'm expecting big things from Brooks Kepka. Uh, this year now Bob before we go to break here this is something that I noticed for the first time at this tournament uh, you know because as we talked with Mark the conditions are always so good and, and there's not much wind it's not maybe not the longest golf course in the world but the green conditions this past week at TBC Scottsdale super firm greens that's sort of one of the only defenses I guess you should say uh, you could say about this golf course given how easy the benign the conditions are what do you think I agree. There's there's not usually much in the way of rough. I mean, there's rough yeah. there, but it's not really penalizing rough. And uh, it's pretty hard and baked. If you saw some of the distances for the drives, like I think Adam Hadwin was averaging like 337, which is not at Adam Hadwin's normal territory. So they were running fast and hard. And you saw a couple times poor Tagala's ball, you know, landed on 17 and rolled right through and into the water. And um, but you're right with the greens were pretty firm and I think that's good. You have to have some defense over there and turn the sprinklers off for a couple of nights and and let the balls bounce a bit and let the boys gripe and complain and uh, talk about it. But I, I, I didn't have a problem with the conditions of the golf course. I thought it was good. And again, I, I don't really pay attention that much to what the final number is compared to par. I just wow. want it to be a good test of golf and to challenge these guys. And the one interesting fact about about this golf course is that the winners generally are not considered great putters. If you look back at the list of guys who've won this thing, I mean, Hideki Matsuyama is head on that list or was certainly for a while head on that list. Brooks is not really necessarily a great putter. But if you go back and, and look at that, it's, it's sort of been the way. Um, so I don't know if the greens are a lot truer maybe because it's easier to read for them, something along those lines. But uh, certainly, certainly it's a fun golf course, you know, with, even with or without the 16th hole. Yeah, with or, with, with or without that 16th hole, because that, like you mentioned, that 17th hole is a great drivable par four, especially when they put that pin right in the back like they had uh, for the first round, where it's it's almost like the 10th hole at Riviera, where it's it's hard to 
you can make birdie or you can make quad pretty easily. <laughs> we'll see much more of the Genesis uh, this week. We can watch weekend coverage streaming on TSN. Coming up after the break, the stealth driver has made headwaves from coast to coast. Taylor made latest new driver. And after the break, we'll learn much more about that new stealth driver. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, Bob, whether you're a PGA Tour professional or the average weekend warrior playing once a month, once a week, once a year, everyone's goal is to hit the golf ball longer and straighter. How do you do that? Maybe go try the TaylorMade Stealth Driver revolutionary technology in this new product. And many of the top players in the PGA Tour and around the world also using the Stealth Driver. For much more on this new product, our own Mark Sacchino caught up with Tomo Bystead from TaylorMade. Tomo, thanks again for taking the time. Awesome to be down here with you. So much into the story this year. So before we get to the new product, we really got to start with where this all starts, carbon. Why now? A year or so ago, you and I were having a chat about just how many things and how long it stays in the pipeline. How far do we go back on the thought of carbon? Yeah, so kind of unbelievably, 20 years, honestly, is 20 plus years, it's actually been in development at TaylorMade. We started back in like year 2000 with kind of ideas of where could carbon be in the club and carbon crowns I would say were more kind of relevant at that time and they were, they were coming into the mix but really the face right away out of the gate we thought hey there's maybe an application there and we started back then with these kind of crude prototypes with carbon on the face with some titanium in front of it like we had all these different prototypes so it's really been that 20 year journey of trying different things and see what works we even released the club at one point in Japan in 2013 as sort of a, a, a test pilot, if you will, or a concept car where we wanted to kind of see if we could productionize this technology, how it would be received by consumers and how it would perform. And obviously since 2013, we've learned a ton more to really now bring it to life in 2022 with Stealth. And there's some interesting challenges along that path. And I kind of, in my mind, break it down into a few different sectors. There's always the sound issue when it mm -hmm. came to carbon. And we know sound really affects what people believe or translate to feel. 100%. There was the speed of the face. You know, make how do we make it faster? And if we need to make it thicker, can we keep it faster than titanium? Mm -hmm. As you said to me off mic, we're not going to sell a bunch of drivers to people say, hey, this got a lot of value, but it goes slower. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the sound first. Yep. How, did, how did you figure out to say, hey, we've got it where we want it? Because you mentioned something to me. It's always easier to be up here in terms of the octaves and come down. Right. This was a bit of a reverse challenge. Yeah, so really um, the carbon challenge is, is really about when you look back at carbon usage in clubs in the past and certainly in the, in the more um, far history in terms of the early days of carbon, obviously the carbon is, is a material that's very strong and light, but it's not really used for impact applications. If you think of other industries where it's used, it's used to, for structural things where it's like, if you hit it once, it's kind of, you got to replace it. Like a Formula One racing car, for example, if you have a big accident, that protects the driver, 
but it's not going to be good. You're going to have to redo it again. So one of the things that we had, we had to solve here was how to make, you know, the carbon fast but durable. And, and really, the early days of carbon, everybody was just focusing on the durability aspect. And when you have a durable structure that's stiff, there's not a lot of movement in there. And really, sound comes from vibration. And so what we saw was early carbon clubs had no sound. They were very dead sounding. And certainly the early development of, for us was, you know, can we overcome that? Like, how do we overcome that? And, and back obviously in 2000, we didn't understand as much about sound as we do now. But once we realized, hey, we're getting, we can get these faces to the speed limit and make them really fast and flexible, they're gonna introduce similar sound to other materials like titanium because they're gonna be vibrating at impact. And so we knew as long as we had enough brightness, enough sort of energy in the vibrations and sound, we can dial in the frequencies and the sound to make it sound like a tailor-made driver, you know? And that was really the key for us is not to make it sound dead. So if, if a golfer experiences the stealth driver, it is not gonna sound like any other carbon driver they've ever hit in the past. If you hit any of the older ones that were in the market, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And so that's really been the challenge for us is, is sort of overcoming the, the overly muted sound. And once we knew we could do that, we had all the other technology, as we've seen with clubs like Sim 2 and Sim, and obviously all the M series of how good those sounded, we knew how to dial that in. And we're gonna take a look at all this product while we're down here this week, and, and taking a look at the stealth and the carbon technology and the driver, fairway, hybrid, etc. There was kind of one last piece of this puzzle, though, in terms of challenge. How do you bring it to market and you know make it affordable and keep it in that lane where the tailor-made uh, you know, world-class drivers that have been released, you know, over, well, from the beginning of really metalwood time, but, I mean, we've been able to make these advances and not have to charge a consumer $1,400 yeah. for a driver. How did you figure this out? What, how long did that process take to get even the manufacturing process to the point where you could offer it at that price point? Yeah, it's, again, like the, whenever you have a new technology, especially something as groundbreaking as what we have installed with the carbon phase, you know, the top of your mind is, is cost as well. You know, obviously, whatever it costs us to make it, we have to charge the consumer the right amount so that we actually can sell it at a profit, you know, as a company, as a business, right? So when we looked at that back in the day and, and we obviously had that Japan product back in 2013, we had to charge $1,200 for this to, you know, even make it work. And so a big challenge over the last sort of seven, eight years has been how to productionize it, how to make it production friendly so the golfers can afford this technology. And obviously there's more complexity in a carbon phase than a traditional titanium phase. But we don't want to, again, we don't want to charge an exorbitant amount for these products to consumers because, again, we want everybody to enjoy the technology. So that has been, just as much as the performance aspect has been a big part of the development, also productionizing the product has been a big part of it as well. Uh, it's an awesome story. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to hit it. And thanks for having us down again this year. Absolutely. And now that's part one of Mark with Tomo Bystead discussing the Stealth Driver because, Bob, it's a, it's a revolutionary new product, the carbon uh, included in this totally changed from last year's model on uh, next week's show we'll air part two of the stealth driver interview now bob speaking of stealth there's also the stealth irons and you had a chance to go to tailor-made hq last week to hit the new stealth irons tell us about that experience uh it was good my good buddy jared deal was my fitter there and mm. we um we got together uh tuesday evening and uh we were we went through but going back and forth between the seven the p790 irons and the stealth irons and the stealth irons are a little more forgiving a little bit more on the game improvement side as opposed to the 790s which are blades uh, but they're more forgiving blades is a generic general term that i'm using it as and i just found that i could hit the stealth irons a lot farther and for me a lot higher i have a lot of trouble getting the ball up in the air a little bit so i tried 
both and uh, compared them both, and I was hitting them considerably further with the stealth irons. So if people are in the market for new irons, test these out. I think, as I say all the time, everybody makes good equipment, but I really love what uh, what TaylorMade has to offer this year. And uh, I did hit the carbon wood a, a few times as well in the in the fitting session, although we were mostly focused on irons this time around. But um, anytime it seems like they've gone the distance in development of new irons, I remember back when titanium took over from wood and everyone was thinking, oh, they can't go any further than that. You can't make it any better than that. But whether it's irons, woods, putters, wedges, whatever it is, it just seems to keep coming and coming and coming. And uh, I'll tell you, the fitting with TaylorMade is, uh, is a great experience if you have the opportunity to get it. Uh, I would take it. There's a number of fitting facilities around the country. There's a couple here in uh, the Ontario region. So uh, go out and get your clubs fit and enjoy it. It's, uh, it's, I, I don't know if you, depending on what you want for your bag, if you want to hit it, as you said earlier, Adam, longer and farther and straighter, yeah, why not? Why not? Now, uh, before we go to break, off mic, we're discussing some, some speed gains that you've, uh, you've had with your personal game. I, am I hearing this right? Eight to ten miles an hour faster? Like, is that, is that even legal, Bob? Well, it is when you're as low as I was. So I was just going with a 7-iron, and I was hitting at 74 uh, last year. And this year I was up over 80. And that was with, um, now that, you know, there, those are two different measuring systems, so I will point that out. So, but even if it's a 5-mile-an-hour gain off the, off the club, that's great. So um, I'm pretty excited about it, and I've been doing some work on the off-season. We have a little indoor facility where I play golf at Weston, and have some uh, lessons with my longtime teacher, Mark, and we're working on a few things. So uh, I'm not quite into Zucchino or Scully range, but uh, at least maybe I'll add a few more yards and be able to hit um, longer or, you know, higher lofted clubs into some of these uh, greens at Weston next year. Team Week Sino getting longer and faster in 2022. Can't wait for our next match. Okay, coming up after the break, it's our favorite time of the show. It's winners, weird, and what? This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Leak. Well, it's our favorite time of the show. No shortage of bizarre and wild in the world of golf over the last week. It's winners, weird, and what? And this week, Bob, you have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, Adam, my, uh, my winner this week is actually two young guys and a golf program, and that is Team Canada's national team program which has produced two winners of Monday qualifiers in the last three weeks. First of all, we had Max Sear, who was a graduate of the program and got into the Farmers Insurance Open. And then last week we had Etienne Pepineau from uh, just outside of Montreal, who did the same thing. And I thought it was remarkable that both these guys could do it within uh, a, such a short uh, gap on the PGA Tour schedule. Not only that, but they're all bunking together in this big house down in uh, Phoenix, and along with... Uh, 
Um, Jacqueline Lee, I think, is down there as well. There's a bunch of them in there. Chris Chris Oligo, uh is was caddying, who's another member. He was caddying for uh, Etienne when they went out there, whose nickname is Paps, by the way. You know, Paps. he went down and played. Both Max and Etienne played at West Virginia. So you call them, um, I don't know, Mountaineers? Is that what they are? I think they're the Mountaineers. Oh, Some, anyway, I hope that's what they are. But they're good pals. And Max actually helped out Etienne after he qualified and said, here's what to know, here's what to happen, uh, here's what's going to go on. And uh, neither of them made the cut. But what a great, great moment for both of them to start their careers in professional golf on a PGA Tour event. And hopefully there's, uh, there's more to come because there's some more talent out there coming up the ranks. Definitely more talent coming up the ranks. And you mentioned that Chris Crisologo, he... Um uh, played in the 2018 RBC Canadian Open at Glen Abbey, and I remember uh, you did an interview or two with him, and he just absolutely bombs it off the tee. Yeah, he's not a big guy, but he does do that. Uh, my weird this week is, you know the match that, that we've seen over the last Ooh. few years? It's Tiger and Phil, or Tiger and Phil with a couple of of uh, football players or celebrities, or Tiger and Bryson, or Bryson and and, <laughs> and Phil, and... They've had yeah, a good Rogers, combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, been, it's been pretty much real golf and PGA Tour players with some of the football players and athletes. Well, now the next version of this, the producers of that event have gone to, and par- partnered up with Nickelodeon. And the new one is going to be called the Slime Cup. Now, I'm not sure. You're younger than I am, and I don't know if you are a Nickelodeon guy, but apparently that has some connection to one of their famous shows at Nickelodeon. But the Slime Cup will comprise a professional golfer, a celebrity, and a Nickelodeon star. They're going to compete for the title. But I, I, this next part is kind of what got me, was that there, it's going to take place inside the Rose Bowl in the stadium. So I'm not quite sure if it's going to be like a top golf thing or it's going to be mini putt or it's going to be fun. But they've already signed up some big names. John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and Lexi Thompson are the celebrities confirmed. And uh, Saquon Barkley, Justin Herbert, and uh, Terry Crews. Uh, Nickelodeon personalities, Isaiah Cruz, which I'm wondering if it's probably a connection to uh, Terry Cruz. Anyway, mm-hmm. they're going to have these three-person teams, and they're going to do something, and it's, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a little weird, but it's going to be kind of fun. Well, we've seen NFL broadcasts in the last couple of years do sort of a Nickelodeon spin. It's, it's bringing in the, the younger audience, and there's graphics on the screen. So, yeah, I'm curious, like, is this it's sort of like a top golf experience where, you know, you're trying to hit at different targets or like you can't really do a long drive in a football stadium. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great. Actually, yeah. it's a great opportunity to try once again to try and reach out to some younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my what this week is, uh, Adam, what would it take you to hit a golf ball into a Soharo? You know what that is? Like a cacti? Cactus? Oh. Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) So to hit it and try to hit it out of there, you're asking? No, you got to hit it. You want to hit it in there. Get it to stick in the the cactus. It's a a hard shot, I think. It'd be a very hard (laughs) shot. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, on uh, on the first tee at uh, at TPC Phoenix, there are two big soahos. Those are the name of these big cacti that they have that are, I don't know how many, like hundreds of years old or something. And they are pockmarked with golf balls. People who have hit balls in there, obviously offline, because it's a sharp turn, especially when you're not playing from the from the back tees. But you can see the holes in there, and you can see some of them. The golf balls are right in there. Some of the holes have actually been hollowed out by birds. They have these cactus nesting birds that go in there. But somebody wrote an article on it. It's quite an interesting article. His name is Greg Moore from the Arizona Republic. But he had to ask a lot of the PGA Tour players afterwards about uh, <laughs> what it would take. What were the mechanics? Is I think is the term he used would it take to get a ball only about 34 yards from the tee to, uh, to go in there? And Adam Hadwin, who had just shot a, uh, just gotten to eight under after two rounds, he said, uh, probably not something I want to be thinking about right now. He says, it happens, 
but I've dedicated my entire life to playing golf. It's not an easy sport to do. I don't want to do that. So um, anyway, <laughs> they did get a story out of it. And if you want to know, you can probably Google uh, Cacti and Arizona Republic, and you can probably come up with it. So Definitely. Adam, the tea is now yours. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Okay, Bob, my winner this week is a guy by the name of Chad Mum. And you might think, Chad Mum, golf, maybe haven't heard that. Well, Chad Mum is actually one of the co-producers of the PGA Tour Netflix series. Now, I mentioned the Netflix series with Xander Shoffley, and they began taping or filming for that Netflix series being released later this year at the Farmers Insurance Open. What a start to the year for the Netflix series. We saw the Farmers Insurance Open end on the Saturday. What a finish that was in the playoff. Luke List, you know, after nearly two hours off, stuffing a shot to a foot, winning that golf tournament over Will Zalatoris. Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Tom Hoagie wins his first PGA Tour win. Then everything that happened at the Waste Management. Scotty Scheffler getting the win, but he even confirmed Chad Mum. Uh, someone asked him, will the Harry Higgs moments where he went tarps off on the 16th green will that be included and he put a thumbs up out there on twitter so i i'm i'm pretty excited for this netflix series especially the success the f1 series has had this pj tour netflix series i think it's going to be something special yeah i think it's going to be kind of cool and if uh as long as they get the full buy-in and the full option released from the pga tour like the f1 guys did i think that's uh that's pretty cool that definitely okay my weird this week goes to something you mentioned a little earlier in the show briefly and that is zach johnson so we remember years ago at the masters 13th hole he's always wanted to take his practice swing pretty close to the golf ball but he's a touring professional he's never going to hit the ball in that practice swing right remember that a couple of years ago he hits the shot he swears and zach johnson never swears you can hear him swear and his ball goes about four yards. And he sort of looks and says, now what do I do? And then they figured out the rule that it's actually not a penalty. This past weekend, 17th hole at TBC Scottsdale is that drivable par four. And, but this time around, it wasn't in a practice swing. He was almost walking away from his ball and sort of swatted at it a little bit. And he, uh, the driver hit the golf ball about five, six yards maybe. But this time, there were no swear words. Just, oh, I know what to do now. Pick it up again. Not hitting three, another kind of weird golf rule, but how does this keep happening to Zach Johnson of all people? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the news should be, hey, Zach, step a little further away with your practice swing or something along those lines, but it is odd. It means, uh, I've, I don't think I've ever seen it on the PJ Tour except for Zach Johnson, and now we've seen it twice. So he's, uh, he's, he's obviously doing something a little bit odd with his practice swings or his movement around the ball after he tees it up. And there aren't many guys now or any touring professionals around the world who take their practice swing right beside their ball. You know, there's Stephen Ames, there's Zach Johnson, Jeff Overton used to take the biggest, widest swing of all time try, and then go hit the golf ball. You think he'd be tired after five holes. But uh, maybe Zach Johnson changed up that pre-shot routine just a little bit. Okay, my what this week? You know me, Bob. From time to time, I, I enjoy tuning into The Bachelor every Monday, just riveting television. And uh, past Bachelor, Matt James, was a part of the Pro-Am at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Now, Matt James, guess he's really not much of a golfer because on that 16th hole, the Coliseum went to go swing, swing and a miss, a big whiff. 
Then he goes to hit it again, and he hit it directly off the hosel, and this thing went straight low and right. There are about 20 camera guys sitting right there. No one got hurt from what I saw, but for pro-ams and guy, er, people who don't play golf very often, maybe for the camera people, maybe go behind them or try <laughs> yeah, to find a different right. angle because th that, that's just an injury waiting to happen. Or maybe maybe we should get some qualified golfers to hit the shots beforehand rather than their celebrity status. That, maybe they have to have a handicap as well. That too, that too. Now, before you go to break, have to give a special mention in 3Dub here to quite a story that was published last week uh, from Golf Digest on Morgan Hoffman. Now, this is a guy who has been through uh, quite a bizarre injury, muscle dystrophy, I believe. Um, and, and I know you read the story, Bob, and I know he's gone through a couple of different methods to, uh, for recovery and it's, it's a bizarre story, but from what you remember reading that story, what were your thoughts when you saw it? Uh, yeah, muscular dystrophy is a degenerative, de degenerative disease that, uh, wastes away your muscles. And he started noticing it in one of his pec muscles where he couldn't get any, he, no matter how hard he worked or bench presses he did or pushups he did, he couldn't get anything to, to improve. And it took a while for it to be diagnosed. And it's a pretty serious, obviously, affliction. And he was determined to try and find some kind of a, a response to it. And the story basically details how he went with traditional medicine and then decided, no, I'm going to go with the term they used in the story was alternative medicine. And he went uh, and is now living sort of in a remote life in Costa Rica. Uh, they eat nothing that's only raw foods, so nothing, you know, almost like ultra-vegan kind of uh, of a diet and he's hoping to try and find some way to cure his body and get through it and he believes he can he's still got some some time to come back to professional golf uh, but for the moment right now he's uh, trying to find uh, help and doing everything he can obviously to do this but the story really is interesting because of how far he's gone how wide he's gone where he's living how he's living and it's just not something you associate with a PGA Tour professional, but um, it's, it's a fascinating read. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. It's a fascinating read, and I'll put him on our future guest list, hopefully. We, we'd love to have him on to discuss uh, the journey that he's been through and the journey he's going through right now to try to get back to that professional golfing life. Well, Bob, after the break, we'll, re we'll uh, wrap up today's show, leaderboard updates from around the world of golf, and when we're coming back on TV, because it's just around the corner. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Wrapping up this week's edition of Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. 
let's get to some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in golf. PGA Tour, Scotty Scheffler gets it done at the WM Phoenix Open, winning in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay, Scheffler's first career PGA Tour victory. Heading into last week, he, he had odds that were around 33 to 1. So for those who picked him, I know we didn't on the TSN Edge. I will say I thought about picking him. But I did not. Scotty Scheffler gets it done for his first career PGA Tour win. DP World Tour, Ryan Fox, a runaway five-shot victory. Ross Fisher, haven't heard that name in a while. He finished in second place on the DP World Tour. Doing some housekeeping now. Uh, for us here on GTC, we have our TSN Edge picks coming out a little later this week for the Genesis Invitational. Bob, quite a field here. Top 10 players in the world, all playing, as well as five Canadians. Yeah, Taylor Penrith, the latest to get in on, uh, he was on the alternate list uh, at, on the start of the week, but a couple of guys have pulled out. Nick Taylor, I think, is still on there, as is uh, Adam Svensson, so possibility for a few more Canadians to get in there. But it's deep field, it just shows you that the quality of the golf course, I think, really attracts a lot of people. And I guess the big question will be, are we going to see the tournament host? Is he going to show up? Tiger Woods. I'm looking forward to hearing from him if he does show up, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get some update on his uh, situation. Yeah, totally. And it, it is hard to believe that it's coming up on one year to the day of uh, the accident. And obviously he, he blew the, he, it was a crazy moment when he came back and was hitting the ball as well as he was hitting at the PNC father-son or parent-child championship uh, back in, uh, in December. So hopefully we get to hear from Tiger Woods. Uh, this week and we have weekend coverage on our streaming services on on tsn tsn.ca you can watch third and fourth round coverage of the genesis invitational and for us here on golf talk canada we're back every monday on gtc radio here on tsn 1050 but on tv bob we are back next week for our tailor-made product special where we'll learn all about the stealth uh, line. We'll hear about the new irons, hybrids, uh, a little teaser into the golf ball, putter. We'll hear from the newest member of Team TaylorMade, Brooke Henderson, who's also going to join us for our product special. Pumped to be back. And speaking of back, 20 weeks of TaylorMade will also be back a little later this year, probably around Masters Week, where, as you know, Bob, we give away uh, one TaylorMade product for 20 weeks of the summer. It's, uh, as we've talked about in the show many times, that, that giveaway is something that we, we love doing and love seeing the response from all of our fans and listeners and viewers from 20 Weeks of TaylorMade. Well, that's going to be interesting to see. We don't know what TaylorMade has put in the prize pack this week, but I would have to guess that along the way there'll be a, car, uh, a stealth driver, maybe some stealth irons, um, certainly mm -hmm. lots of golf balls. They usually give out uh, a few of those. So there's uh, it's every reason to listen to the show, watch the TV show, and to sign up on uh, Instagram and social media and follow us along as we uh, go through the golf season. And we'll be back next week. Mark Sacchino back in the host chair next week from Florida, where we'll be recapping the Genesis Invitational and previewing the Florida Swing, which kicks off uh, next week as well. Well, that's all for us here on Golf Talk Canada. Coming up next, Leafs lunch. The Leafs are on a two-game losing streak right now. Not a great run through the Calgary and Vancouver, but tonight they're taking on the expansion Seattle Kraken. Can they get back on their winning ways? We have Al's brother, Julia Tesheri. They're coming up next with the Leafs Lunch. Thanks for joining us here on Golf Talk Canada. We'll be back next week. Bob, myself, and Mark all back for GTC next Monday. We'll see you next Monday right here on TSN 1050. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. 
Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.